but uh, there I'm recording again. I started a day job. Oh, what kind of job? Uh, accounting, accounts payable, payroll, exciting stuff. Um, but I'm having trouble adjusting to first shift life again because I've spent yeah. the last year pretty much not working, just doing DoorDash and comedy and Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be quite a switch up. Yeah. And then during the shutdown, there wasn't even that for like two months. There was nothing. And so I just, uh, apparently my natural sleep cycle is like 4 a.m. to noon when left to my own devices. So trying to readjust getting up at 6.30 in the morning is not going well. Yeah, a a friend of mine had a strange uh, sleep cycle. I I say strange because it was more uh, owl-like. He was up more nocturnal. Um, And he found when, mm, I think around the time he turned 50, he said something happened to his body and he was poofed back to like 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. going to bed. He doesn't know what happened. Uh... But he's, he, yeah, he just switched over, which is I've never, interesting. I've never been that person ever. Yeah. So it would be a complete switch. But yeah, I mean, I did, I woke up today, well, I woke up today at 642 and panicked okay. because I forgot that it was Saturday. So I was like, <laughs> oh shit, I'm late. I should have been up. And then I was like, wait a minute, it's Saturday. And I went back to sleep and I still, I mean, I got up at like 9.45, which is pretty early for me for a Saturday. Yeah. But I don't want to fuck, I mean, it's the only way, I'm trying to be responsible. The only way to not just be fucked all week is to get it. And I was up late. I had a show last night. Okay. Yeah, I I had a show too. I, I, have found during uh, this quarantine time, self-isolation, whatever the hell we're calling it. Yeah. Um, I'm finding like the usual thing of even after a Zoom set, you're kind of ramped up. You want to stay up for a bit. You know, you want to yeah. work off that energy. I'm finding I'm needing like, um, uh, I think it's called binary beats that I'm listening to on YouTube to like get my brain to like take it back down a notch just so I can go to bed. Yeah. My sleep cycle's been a disaster since March. Just an outright, I live alone. So I've got no one to like, you know, bounce stuff off of, or I'm calling friends who I know are in different time zones. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's how this podcast started. Um, Oh, cool. (laughs) Was because, I mean, I had roommates where I was living when I started it, but they were, I was not, um, it's not, I've moved now and my roommates are actually friends of mine. Uh, outside of living with them, but I was just living, I mean, they were cool kids, but I didn't really know them. So I was just spending a lot of time alone in my room and I was bored. And that's how I write comedy is I get high and I talk to people. So I'm not like a horribly social person. Mm -hmm. I'm not an extrovert. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily an introvert, but I do require like alone time to recharge and stuff. But it came like at first I missed performing and then I missed just hanging outside the mic getting high mm-hmm. and bullshitting with my friends. So, but my show was actually in person last night in Colorado Springs at a distillery. Um, cause they don't give a shit down there. So 
If they don't give a shit, I don't give a shit. Oh, you but... froze a bit on me there. Hmm? You're frozen. <laughs> it's frozen. There you are. You froze for a little bit. It could be me. Yeah, I don't know. It's unstable. Getting used to this in these times of like navigating stand-up sets or conversations and just like pausing, pausing. You're <laughs> in Toronto, right? I am. I am in Toronto, Canada. I think you're the third yeah. fourth Canadian comedian. There was uh You just had a J Man on the show, um, right? J Man, yeah, and Camacho. Yeah. God, I can't remember. She's not Toronto. I think she's in Quebec. I can't remember her first name. Okay. Camacho. For some reason, I remember her last name. Nice <laughs> kid. Her mom's an immigration lawyer. I'm thinking about coming up to Canada for three or four years if Trump wins again, if I'm allowed in. Yeah, the border, I believe, is closed until the end of August. Yeah. Unless it's essential, then you can get by. Um, I'm talking like like next year, maybe. Yeah. That might be, that might be safe. Do you think he'll get in again? Fuck, I don't know, man. You know, I never I'm thought he'd so get curious. in in the first place. Honestly, when, I never thought he'd win the nomination. And he didn't think he'd win the nomination. Yeah. When, I'm convinced he didn't think that. No, he did not. <laughs> he did not. Um, yeah, when he first entered the race, when there were like, I don't know, 12 of them to begin with, it seemed like a lot. I was like, no way. Yeah. No way. And then he won the nomination and I was like, no way. Yeah. No way. And then and then the Democrats forced us to have Hillary. And I was like, okay, he's gonna win. He's gonna win. Yeah. It it's really amazing to me when I when I look at the percentage of people who go out and vote, whether it's members of the Republican or Democratic Party who have the option to, you know, put their, put their name in the hat and vote for who they want to vote for, yeah. or it's the general population. It's really such a small percentage of people who put him in power. I think because a lot of folks were like, I don't want either of these options. Um, Noted. You know, which even to a degree happened here in, in Canada with our last election. I mean, we had the, the controversy with Justin Trudeau uh, and his blackface um uh he does it a lot that's really frightening how often the man's in black like still uh, well hopefully he stopped but the, the last time the, he was in blackface apparently when he was in university and he's not that much older we're about we're in the same age range i'm 42 so that wasn't that long ago that this man was doing blackface and this was like yeah, and this is like, you see the photos, he went full body. Like, there is paint from... Well, he can, at least he's dedicated. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but, you know, you, you had this, like, this this, uh, this this panic of, like, oh, God, he's probably the best person for the job, and he's he does this? <laughs> oh, shit. And he got in. And folks seem to be like, well, don't do it again. Is Politics he, is weird. <laughs> I mean, other than that, though, is uh, when it comes down to like his ability to be a, a leader and do his job. What what is the is a prime minister? Is that the title? Yeah, yeah. Our 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 title here is prime minister. Like um, like all the shit with like like the shit with like, of course, blackface is different than cheating on your wife. But like, yeah, I could care less. That's 
you know, like the whole shit with Clinton and I mean, there was a whole power structure, but he was fucking around on his wife. I mean, it wasn't just yeah. Monica. And so yeah. it's like, I didn't care. Like, is he running the country? Well, that's all I give a shit about. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, and, you know, we, we want to sort of have this like, you know, moral, this good moral compass. And like, we're not going to like, let someone do that. If, you know, we're trying to set a good precedent. I find with Trudeau, I, I like him. Um, I find that other things that have shown him to be like a racist other than blackface, obviously. (laughs) Not that I'm aware of. Um, but what he has shown of late is that he, um, he's been doing things that have come to a revelation that, uh, for example, there's this charity called We Canada, W-E uh, Canada, and it's, it's all over the world. They do We Days and they organize like celebrities and do these great charity things and these events. And it seems like there has been some double dipping with the prime minister's office and the finance minister and like the finance minister's daughter was working for we and there was some like travel and trips that were allowed that he just paid back the day that the news announcement came out that he had been doing this. So I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Trudeau's just that like rich white kid who's like, oh shit, I got caught. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But he's a good leader. Yeah, but I don't know. He's human. I, 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 I don't he's know. He's still just in this know. like elitist class. Uh, yeah, he's not a common man, which I don't necessarily no. want the everyday common man leading my country. Um, <laughs> honestly, I. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't care if my president's uh, someone down to earth that I can get a beer with. Uh, yeah, th- that's not what I care about. Um. Yeah, yeah, you want someone who's got the ability to to uh, lead and be themselves and, and deal with the po- political stuff, but also be good at those little Christmas photo ops. And I find Trump just has, like, none of that. The man can talk his way into shit, obviously. He's an um, idiot. He is, He's not yes. intelligent. <laughs> He's just not an sales guy. person. He is an no. unintelligent person. I would be interested to see what his IQ is. He is oh, just yeah. not an intelligent person to begin with. He wasn't given very good genetics. There's way too much probably inbreeding along back in the day with cousins yeah. and stuff in those types of families. It fucks with your brain. And uh, he is, a, he's just, I hated him before he was the president. He's just, yeah, I can't me too. believe I just yeah. can't even believe that he's there. You know, I just, I'm still just in shock. It's four years. I, I'm with you in that. <laughs> like, I'm going to wake up and this is going to all be a bad dream. I'm going to be like, write some material about it. I was like, I had a dream that Trump was president. What? Trump? Like. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, it's really wild to watch it from up here and yeah. any other part of the world and be like, no, 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 no. You almost see that car like going over the cliff at the end of an episode, like, no. <laughs> I imagine it's a lot like before I lived in Denver um, and I would watch the Denver comedy drama unfold mm. from Wichita. I found it very entertaining and amusing. But now yeah. that I'm in Denver comedy and that I'm part of the scene, it's really annoying. And I don't think it's so funny anymore. 
uh, now that I know these people and have to listen to it uh, yeah. in person and online, it's yeah. not funny anymore. No, but, it, it, Toronto sort of had the same uh, uh, experience of, uh, you know, funny, ooh, not funny, when we had Rob Ford as the mayor of Toronto. And Rob made the rounds in the US media. I know he was on Jimmy Kimmel because he was that like fumbling idiot that you would have in like, you know, a, you know, like a Shakespeare play. Like he was like the fool who would come in and like, you know, the buffoon and, and he was running our city. And (laughs) I, I, you know, I think he had a good intention. I think he was good with people, but he didn't know what the, like much in the same manner of Trump, it's like, he should not have been in charge. And it's, it's most unfortunate the man passed away, but, but that guy, that guy shouldn't have been in charge. And now his brother is running the entire province. Um, and it's like, when is this nightmare going to end? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the thing about elections is that people get so wrapped up in the presidential election and they don't care about local elections, which have way more yeah. impact on your immediate everyday life and you're seeing it right now how important who your governor is because that's really who's protecting us here in the states uh it's really not a state by state it it comes down to who your governor is who your mayor is those are the people that are protecting uh their citizens right now and the federal government is not and the federal government is impeding them in some ways Mm -hmm. in, in in protecting their citizens the way they want to so Absolutely. That's, that's one thing I am grateful for with how like, you know, COVID has been handled between our two countries. I find that there's, there's a bit more consistency between the guy in charge and everyone below. Yeah. Whereas when I look at what's happening with you guys, it's like fend for yourself. Well, and the guy in, it's guy in charge. down party more. lines. If you're a Democrat, fend for yourself. Uh, that's true. If you're well, and the the Republicans aren't doing the Republican governors aren't doing what the Democratic. You can definitely see the different reaction right down the party line. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about Canadian government and how it works. I know that I think that I don't think just, we do either. <laughs> it's not just our government that's really my the problem. It's it's our it's our citizens, and so um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know like. It's funny how like the the socialist liberal side, you know, they've always used other countries as examples of if it can work there, it can work here. Mm-hmm. And then now you have the other side saying the same thing, like, well, this country's not shutting down like this or that. And I'm like, that's because their citizens have a more of a socialist view of things to where they're more mm-hmm. concerned about their fellow citizens and Americans are selfish and greedy and uh just as a culture that's who we are that's how we are so yeah it, what works in one country isn't going to work here as far For as sure. like, regulations and if people here had done what they were supposed to do to begin with we never would have had to have the huge shutdowns but oh yeah they tried especially like I don't know about the country, but here in Colorado, they tried to give people a chance to do the right thing, to wear a mask, mm-hmm. to socially distance on their own, yeah. and to stay home when they need to, and they didn't. So then they had to make it a rule. But even then, it's not mm-hmm. enforceable. 
Yeah, it's it's tough to to sort of you know give people the ability to to go to the grocery store or go to the drugstore, which for a while that's sort of all we were allowed to do. Um, and you you would notice people try to sneak in and do other things, and you know yeah. it's it's a very difficult thing to enforce for sure. Um, but it's been it's been wild to even just see how Canada has been. Uh, trying to get back. And I find that we've had more of a, um, an, an idea of like, let's make sure everyone's okay, then we'll worry about the economy, where I feel like yeah. that's a bit different in the States. Yeah. But it's kind of wild to watch like, uh, our epicenter was Montreal, which is my hometown, or Calgary, Alberta, out West. And they've kind of come right back at it. And Toronto's still like, hold on, let's just see how this works. Yet the ones who had the biggest cases of it, they've just deep dived. Um, so yeah, I find like no one has really a, a clear map, but I am grateful that there's been more uh, care towards our, our health and then getting us back to work, so. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the factor, I mean, I don't know, the, the only concern I have here is just trying to not, we're trying to not overload our medical system. Because yeah. uh, our medical system sucks, and it should it shouldn't be so easily overloaded. We're we've just proven to the world that if they want to take America down, all they got to do is release a fucking virus. I mean, we've always yeah. known it, but now we see for a fact that you they can shut us down immediately because our system is not equipped to handle it yeah. at all. Like we don't have enough beds in our hospitals we don't have enough anything when it comes to healthcare here at all um because it's all about profits so mm -hmm. uh, why would you have yeah. a bunch of beds they're not going to have a bunch of beds at a hospital that would only be used if there was a pandemic there's they're not going to have wasted space like that sitting around even though that's what we should have if we right. don't want to be vulnerable no, exactly. Exactly. Tor uh, Toronto, I mean, I can't speak for all of Canada, but in, in you know, before times, pre-COVID, I mean, we, we definitely had that same issue with like, you know, uh, hospital beds and hallways and, and people dealing, I mean, our, I'm very grateful that we've got the healthcare system that we do, but the waiting times for things and the backlog here is, is absurd. Money plays so much into politics, and yeah. I so wish it was more for the people and yeah. not for the politics, I mean, for the money side of it. Times here too, but in the in the form of fighting with your insurance company to get right. them to cover a procedure so that you can have it, you know, yeah. uh, because they don't want to cover some sort of treatment for cancer or whatever because it's experimental. And so mm -hmm. you have to fight for six months for them to get to cover it. And so you're still waiting six months um, to finally get a treatment that you end up paying thousands and thousands of dollars for and go bankrupt. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just, uh, I just don't care anymore. Um, yeah. I just, I just, do you have like the mask, anti-mask debate in Canada like we do here? Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly. I, I think there, 
is maybe the impression that we're all doing the mask and we're all, you know, linking arms together. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, my neighbor down the hall laughs at me every time he sees me with my face mask. Okay. And the other day we, we shared an elevator ride. Um, and I, he was like, I'm so mad. I can't see your smile. Now, I mean, this man, I don't know what my neighbors do. There's three gentlemen who live next door to me who have a, uh, like a, a camera outside their door, which is kind of shifty in an apartment building. <laughs> so I don't know what their deal is, but he was, he was quite upset with me that he couldn't see me smile. And I was like, buddy, I'm making sure you're okay. He's like, well, that's kind of you. I was like, oh, okay. Or I'm I've had family members pull the, uh, it's all in your mind. It's mental. This is doing nothing for you. Oh. I'm kind of the, you know what, I'll do everything I can to add to my, my safety checklist, whether it's going it to work or not. It doesn't hurt anything. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't hurt anything. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, it just makes logical sense to me that a, that a mask would help to slow down the spread of anything because they wear, that's why they wear them when you have surgery is because exactly. it protects you from the germs coming out of their face. So yeah. it like, duh. Hello. <laughs> uh, it's a stupid, and it's not, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I just, I fucking hate humans. And if I, I just at first it freaked just, me out though. Did you, did you find it at first when you saw someone with one, you were kind of like, Whoa, I know I was, I worked in a restaurant and if someone walked in with a face mask, I was like, are you okay? No, because it okay. really, it went it, for me. Cause I just, I, I, I just wasn't paying attention because, yeah. because of all the politics and shit and the primaries and all that crap here, mm -hmm. I had kind of disengaged from news, from social media. Um, and I wasn't paying attention. So for me, it all felt very sudden. It was like, I did a show March 14th up in yeah. Loveland, Colorado in a packed bar and then March 16th, everything was shut down Yeah, and it was just yeah. all ripped away very suddenly to me. And so, um, yeah, for me, it, for me, it felt like this, uh, end of, a. I don't know. I, I equated it once to like the end of Greece, like you knew school was finishing and you know, Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta were driving yeah. off. There was like this end feeling to everything. Like, the last shift I had at the restaurant I worked at, I kind of felt like I wasn't going to be there anymore. And, and that night I went to dinner with a friend, which ended up being the last time, uh, at, at two weeks ago, I did go out to a patio with someone, but prior to two weeks ago, March 15th was the last time I was at dinner with anybody. The last time I had hugged anyone. And there was this feeling of end of days. It, it just was like, well, See you sometime, you know, it, yeah. it was really surreal, really surreal. Um, and even now being on a patio and I, you know, I, I had an actual date a couple of weeks ago and, and it was like, I had to pinch myself. Like I'm, someone just brought me cutlery. Weird. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't do the whole mask thing at first because the masks were making me panic. 
Mm. And then I found one that I could stand because um, I needed yeah. to go buy weed. And I okay. had to have one on to buy weed. Yeah. So I fucking figured it out. And uh, <laughs> now they don't bother me. And I wear them when I go inside a public place. I don't wear them. Yeah. I don't wear them outside. Um, I do. It's so I hot. Do. It's hard. It, that's true. It's hard for me to wear them. Yeah. Anytime, but if I'm outdoors and I'm not in, I but I don't go. I mean, I don't really go to. I mean, I go to comedy shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, now are comedy clubs open where you are now? Because they aren't in. No, Florida. not the club. Okay. Is the club open? I don't know. I know that we're doing like some DIY shows that are okay. Same here that are socially distanced and wearing masks and then well they weren't last night but i can't make the audience they are going to do what they do i mean we we set the guidelines but that's my thing too is like there's no one to enforce who's enforcing the mandatory mask rule these poor people that work at these Mm -hmm. at these retail places and restaurants who don't make shit like Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's just not fair for our government to make a mandate that they have no ability to enforce and and, regular everyday people to do it. Exactly. And, and I worry of, of the argument of I've got a condition and I can't wear a mask. How, how do you prove, I'm just going to have to believe you. And if I, if I do go back to working at a restaurant, which I honestly don't want to right now, I was hosting. And the thought of hosting right now terrifies me. Um, but even just like my local my local bars and just interacting with those servers, you're right. I mean, they were making not really a li- living wage beforehand. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing it in a time of anybody possibly having this illness. Um, and you don't get the danger pay. You know, I think they stopped that in Ontario about a month ago. They never, um, had, I mean, we had unemployment for people that didn't want to work, but we've never had, and some companies offered, um, like my kids have all worked through all of this. I have grown children okay. in, in, they're all in Wichita and okay. they all work in restaurants and they all work. They've all been working through all of this. My older, my daughter, who's 21, um, was doing to go and stuff. She's a server. Yeah. But she was actually making more money than she's ever made before. But she was the like one of two people doing to go. Yeah. Like there was one during the day and one at night. And yeah. um, then the restaurant picked back up, you know, when they could open back up. Um, but hardly anybody coming in there because of the area that it's in in Wichita was wearing a mask. It's in a very affluent, conservative area. So they're, they're like mm-hmm. Republicans with money, like middle class, upper middle class people coming in there. Right. And right. so no one was wearing a mask. I mean, of course the people working there were, but she got COVID like she's Damn. over right now. She got tested and found like the test results came back positive on the 14th. Um, but she didn't really ever get that sick. And, and she's, she feels fine. Much. She never, it never really affected her lungs. It was, it was more like flu like symptoms and just the sense right. of taste and smell was the lingering things. Like she still can't smell or taste things. Right. And, um, wow. but she's 21. She's healthy. She's always been my healthiest kid. And then my other mm-hmm. child who's 19 works at, um, he's a cook at Sonic 
and okay. he just got another part-time job, I think delivering pizzas or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, being a cook at Sonic is probably one of the safer jobs because there's usually only one or two of you back there. It's a small, you know, Sonics aren't big and he wasn't dealing with the public, but I mean, his girlfriend is a car hop and she never got it. And then my youngest child worked at Applebee's as a busser. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were off work for a little while. Um, and just went back not too long ago, but yeah, all my kids have worked through this entire thing. They've been working, um, yeah, I, I applaud them. I, well, my daughter's not going to work now. She's like, I'm not, go- she's 21. She's almost done with her bachelor's. She's like, mm-hmm. I think it's time to go get, I, I need to just go get an office job and start mm-hmm. building some experience. Cause she's going to school for like accounting. So she's like, I need to okay. go get like a clerk job or something and start building some experience Absolutely. and get out of waiting tables. I, it's not worth the risk anymore. Yeah, it's it's a job that I like my background's in TV production and I got into the restaurant industry in my mid 30s. So it's been about I guess like 7 years, 8 years now that I've been working in restaurants and it's definitely allowed for me to pursue the comedy and work on writing and travel for shows and and do and do that, but like as I say now with what's happening in the world, I, I got to find a plan B. I can't, I, I don't want to subject myself to it. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, people, I, I work at a brunch restaurant in Toronto. So I'm dealing with that, like, you know, hungover early morning, hangry crowd. I don't know what going to brunch does to anyone's brain, but it does something. <laughs> so I've never been a big brunch goer. I, uh, <laughs> People were jerks then. They're going to be jerks now. <laughs> I've never been a big brunch goer. I, I've never. I'm not really a drinker. So yeah. I'm not really ever hungover. Yeah. Um. It's, yeah. It's it's religion in Toronto. Brunch is like. Well, no, it is. There's a lot of brunch things. Like brunch is a big deal in Denver. Mm. Apparently, not to me, yeah. but. Um. <laughs> I don't. I don't need bottomless mimosas or I, I, yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, I like buffets. They have a brunch I, buffet. I don't think, do you think the buffet is going to survive this? I don't. Oh, absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> it's fine. We don't, I don't need to go to a fucking buffet. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, America can live without fucking buffets. It'll probably do us some good. My concern is really like the small businesses that are the bulk of our venues for DIY comedy. And like my friends, uh, they're a comedy couple here. They just bought a bar like the end of last year. And you know, it's, it was going to be this, it was going to be this new amazing thing and this new Mm -hmm. hotspot for comedy in the Denver scene. And, um, you know, and like there's a, the bug theater is a nonprofit theater here where I was going to have my shows and I'm just, they were already having trouble as it was just because developers want their, their land where they're at to build more obnoxious apartments. But, right. um, there's not enough of those in the world. No, there's, there's just not, they, they're, they need, they're going <laughs> to justify the shit out of that area and they're probably going to tear down that beautiful theater, but oh. whatever. Uh, and, um, yeah, so it, uh, that's my concern at the moment is just 
the small businesses surviving this because they're not getting the help that they need and they're and they're not equipped to not be open for six months it's just not it and their their landlords here are not um working with them on it Toronto's the same yeah yeah we're we're having the same thing I mean there's aspects of the neighborhood that I live in you go through these blocks that looks like a ghost town you know everything's just boarded up and closed and 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 that's all over the city um it's it's devastating to hear about you know like that that diner or the pizza joint that was just about to celebrate their 60th anniversary and they they're done that's it i mean we don't so much shit and then yeah yeah Yeah. like we don't know how at any time in our lives how things are going to end but there's this there's such a sadness to watch especially the restaurant industry, which I'm, you know, my heart's really close to just fold like a deck of cards. It's just, that's it. Yeah. yeah. There's not, there's just, that's what's gonna, and it's not like once they're gone, they can just be replaced that easily. Um, they're already, it's already a hard business to be successful in anyway. Um, oh, yeah, but yeah, I don't. I don't want to end up in a world where all I have are Applebee's and McDonald's and chain <laughs> restaurants <laughs> and WalMarts and chain stores and yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know for for me personally, I've been trying uh, as best I can with you know the money that I do have because obviously I'm not spending to the degree that I was in February. Yeah. Um, but I'm actively trying to find those small businesses and those tiny shops to get what yeah. I need from, from those guys, just to help them out a little bit, whatever I'm doing to, to help them out. Um, yeah. It's really I mean, important to me. I do. Like if I try to, if I get food delivered, I try to make sure it's from a restaurant that's, you know, a smaller restaurant or my friend's bar, right. I'll go get takeout or takeout. They, they can, right. we can have takeout alcohol. Same Even here. in Kansas, yep. in Wichita, there's a there's a burger place called Spangles. It's like a local kind of like McDonald's. Uh, it's okay. it's a fast food place, but it's it's a it's a local thing in Wichita. They are now able to serve through the drive through margaritas and like what? yeah, like margaritas and like. <laughs> so I was like, last time I was in Wichita, I was like, I have got to try this. So me and my friend <laughs> went through the drive through. <laughs> And they were like, would you like an extra shot for a dollar more? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll take an extra shot for, I didn't even really drink it. It was like a $3, like 32 ounce double shot margarita or something. It was huge. Oh my gosh. And I was, she got a tequila sunrise and I got a margarita and I was like, this is fucking wild. And that (laughs) things like that are going to stay. Like, why would they give but it also goes to show mm-hmm. how many rules and regulations we have that don't really matter uh, revolving around things that are people's personal choice to do. Yeah. Um, because if it's okay to let that rule go for now, then it's okay to not, then why do we have the rule in the first place? It's, it's yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like the rule book is going to everything, you know, 
everything's going to be rewritten in how we engage with businesses and each other. It's just, we can't, we can't do that. As far as I know, we can't do that in Toronto, but what I have been able to do when I'm getting my takeout is get like, you know, a big bottle of wine or spirits from the restaurant bar and, yeah. and, and do that, which has been kind of cool, you know? Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, but you know, I don't, I don't, I also have, you know, donated money to causes and things like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing that just because I have been a bit nervy about gathering in groups for the protests that have been happening for like Black Lives Matter Toronto. Um, I've got chronic bronchitis, so I wasn't jumping up and down about being in a big, big group, but donating financially is definitely what I've been doing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't participate in like the protest because um, I can't, one, I like can't be without a bathroom. I'll piss my pants. Um, <laughs> and two, I, um, I can't, I can't take an ass whooping by a cop. Um, I, I won't yeah. be able to handle it physically. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, my mouth will get me in trouble. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) they're like, well, just, you know, people are getting beat by cops that aren't starting shit. And I'm like, well, I'm going to start shit. Um, because my mouth will, yeah, I'll just, I'll go. When I get angry, I don't Mm -hmm. have any sense of self-preservation whatsoever um i once went off on a on like a cholo mexican gang member in joliet illinois that fucked us over fixing our car and the guy i was dating like pulled me into um he pulled me into the car because i was just going Mm -hmm. off on this guy and he was like you are gonna get yourself shot because at first the guy was laughing at me um, he thought I was just like a funny, angry white woman. And then I started insulting his mother. And, <laughs> and that's when my, that's when the guy I was dating, thankfully we were in a small car and he was a large, like a lot tall man with long arms, just pulled me in into the passenger door. Cause it was open and I was yelling yeah. at the guy across the passenger door. And then I said something about the guy's mother, um, and then he started to look mad and started approaching the door. And then, yeah, Andy wow. pulled me into the car and just wow. took off. It was like, when he test drove the car with me, he was trying to sell me drugs. And, and I saw a gun in his waistband. And you're sitting here telling him his mother's a whore. And <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, it, there was like six of them there at the, at the car repair place uh, that were at, like, yeah. Oh, the my first God. Paper, they all, it was like a gang. They all thought I was funny at first and they were just like, oh, this, you know, crazy white lady, ha 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 ha. And then I just started going on about his fucking mom being a whore. And I don't even, I was so angry. I don't even know what I said, but I remember I said something along the lines of calling his mom a whore. And that's when like all of their faces changed. Uh, they stopped smiling, they stopped laughing. They kind of, um, they kind of like positioned up, like, they got in these stances, the five dudes behind him. And then he started to approach the car and then we took off. And, uh, I was, I was still angry and wasn't scared. Like 
I was mad that he pulled, pulled yeah. the car and he was, oh. I was like, fuck that dude. Fuck all of them. You know? And like, I just, so I'm afraid, like if I go to a protest, I'm going to yeah. see a cop do something stupid, which is going to happen. Or one of these people drive walking, like one of these people that are trying to start shit that are, you know, the Nazi right. racist people on their bike. Yeah riding around starting shit i'm gonna see one of them and fucking physically assault them and get arrested for that i mean i just i admire that though i gotta say i admire that because when i get angry i lose like all all sense of of verbs words now like i can't my mouth turns to mush and i get very like shaky and like i i want to be like that man i wish i could do that because i feel that but I can't necessarily, I mean, like, I'm working on it in therapy, trying to figure yeah. out why I can't get angry. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, standing up for yourself is great and everything. I mean, yeah. it's not like there aren't times when I get mad and then when it's like a personal thing, like between me and friends or someone I'm dating or mm -hmm. there's plenty of times when I get angry and don't say anything. And then afterwards are like, man, I should have said this. and I should have said that. Yeah. Um, but when I'm pushed to a certain level of anger, like I get tunnel vision, yeah. like I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but a handful of times in my life, I've been pushed to the point of being so angry that I just, mm -hmm. I can't even see straight. Yeah. And that's, and then I, I just have no sense of self-preservation at that point. I will, I my will thing is punching in the things. face of the biggest fucking motherfucker there is. I, <laughs> Which is stupid. It's not yeah. great. <laughs> I'm not being brave in that moment because I'm not thinking about it. I'm not right. like, to be yeah. brave is to be scared and do it anyway. You know, firemen are brave. They're scared, but they go in that building anyway. I, want, I wasn't scared. I'm just stupid. Because I was just so angry. I'm not scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's stupidity. It's, I don't like losing control of my emotions to where... Yeah, I don't even remember what I'm saying because I'm so mad. Um, My thing is punching doors. Like the door behind me, I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd punch that up. I like tend to injure myself when I get mad, which is really infuriating. But like at the restaurant, if a customer pisses me off and I go off the floor, I go to the staff washroom and I'm like, I'm pounding that door like it's a boxing glove. <laughs> like, it hurts my hands. Like, I'm more of a kicker. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> my strength is in my legs. I've always been more yeah. of a kicker. Um, but I'm pretty lazy these days. So I don't really, Fair. I just, when I turn 40, like, I just don't give a shit about a lot of stuff. Of course, I won't work in the restaurant yeah. industry anymore. I did that yeah. in my younger years for like a decade. Mm -hmm. And I have applied in desperation to some jobs. I even was going to an interview once for a waiting, for waiting tables that I knew the general manager, all I had to do was walk in there. I would have got the job and I had a complete fucking meltdown panic attack in the parking lot. Oh, I couldn't bring yeah. myself to go wait tables again. I can't yeah. be in contact with the general public. I will lose my job. I will go off on them. I won't go punch the bathroom door. I will yell at them in the lobby. And I just, I don't have the ability to grin and bear it or bite my tongue anymore. I, yeah, I can't do it anymore. And I've been like for months, any of my Facebook friends prior to COVID saw these weekly posts of my just like venting about my hosting job. And, and I kept like 
wanting a way out. And I kind of feel like everything that's happened has been this very extreme gift of like, you want it out? Here's the exit door. You can go do something new, which yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm putting the resume out and trying to find something else to do. Cause I I'm, I'm at that point, like I'm getting on in my forties, uh, perimenopause is kicking in and my hormones and my mood are so unhinged. Oh my God. I can't host brunch anymore. I will kill everybody. (laughs) No, I feel you, dude. Well, not all the time, but sometimes like I'm totally like, I don't have, I'm 42, but I had four kids. I had them young, which can send you in the menopause early. I have my uterus yeah. out. I still have my ovaries, but I have my uterus out like a decade ago, which can also, okay. just having my tubes tied, disconnecting the ovaries from the cervix makes them die faster. And then removing parts of your body makes them die faster. So my ovaries are dying. Uh, yeah. Like my estrogen's going down. Mm-hmm. And so like yeah. right now I, I don't have a period. So it's hard for me to tell when I'm PMSing and I haven't really tracked any of it, but I can definitely yeah. tell. Like, cause right now I want to kill everyone and then cry about it because I feel bad. You know what I mean? Yep. I yeah. Just, yeah. Like an hour ago, I was just like tears. Yeah. This whole uh, thing is like, I hate everything. And so generally I just get really high and keep to myself during those times. Um, I can also tell when I'm ovulating because I get super horny and I want to fuck everybody. Yeah. Yep. that I never, <laughs> there's people that I see all the time who I've never thought about in that way that I'm like, he's looking pretty yeah. good tonight. Stop it. (laughs) I know what you mean. That's just your hormones trying to get you pregnant when you can't even get pregnant anymore because it's, we're still animals and we have chemicals that make us want to procreate to make more humans because it's an instinct, but I can't make more humans. I, so, uh, for me, for me, I found this all started to change. I'd say about 37 I noticed my body was doing something weird and I realized that can possibly be very young to be going through that next phase start. Um, but I knew something was different. And, and now um, I, I just, I can, I can feel it. I can feel my head go one way. I can feel my body do weird shit, getting super horny, like you said. And when I'm on the floor at the restaurant and I feel that switch, it's like, oh shit! I wish I had a button saying like, <laughs> like PMS. Um, it, yeah. it's just dreadful. Well, I had PMDD yeah. near the end of my cycle. That yeah. I had a I had a cyst in not a cyst but a um, a growth. I can't remember what it was fucking called in my uterus that was like okay. the size of a grapefruit. They almost had to like cut me open to take it out, but they were able oh, to fuck. get it out. They just pop it right out the vagina. Um, God damn yeah. it. What's that fucking growth called? That's going to bug me. If it wasn't a cyst. Is it, it was a fibroid? A fi- fibroid. Oh, fibroid. Okay. And so it was really, it was like I was six months pregnant as far as my body, like, uh-huh. I, like my stomach got big and then yeah. I was very uncomfortable. Um, and it was really fucking jacking with my hormones in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had PMDD, like I got diagnosed with that in like 2007 or so. Okay. And the only treatment was to put me on the birth control pill, which I didn't even need, but I took it just to keep my shit under control. Yeah. And so like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's getting to the point, 
Like, I don't know what happens after menopause once the ovaries are dead. Do the um, hormonal fluctuations stop and so the insanity stops or does it get worse? I certainly hope it stops. Well, because I just want to take my ovaries out if that's the case. Yeah. They're ruining my fucking life. I'm trying yeah. so hard to not let them mess up like something. I'm like, I mean, I'm dating more than one person, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to like, take things slow and get to know somebody and not force things to be monogamous before anybody's ready because i'm a real like when i like someone i'm like you're it let's do this i'm the same yeah you know (laughs) and not everybody's like that and i end up working it because i want more faster than they can give it to me i get something happens when i get emotional like this that i normally would let roll off me yeah that I end up making a huge deal out of and completely ruining the romantic relationship I'm trying to develop with these people. Whereas, yeah. cause I, I'm just, so I stop. what I do now is I, and I've been doing this for like five or six years and it's working pretty well mm-hmm. is when I start, when I get angry, I ask myself first, I stop. I don't respond. I just, if I need to walk mm. away from a situation, I'll walk away from it and I'll be like, am I getting, Am I rationally angry right now? Because right. sometimes you should be angry and sometimes you're being emotional and it's a hormone. Yeah. Like, yeah, what you're is taking the, a breath. You're walking. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to figure out what is the root cause of my anger. Is it truly this person's behavior or is it something in me? And if mm-hmm. it's something in me, then I can figure that out and let it go and be fine. If it is yeah. something in their behavior, by this time, I've come to the point where I'm calm enough to actually have a conversation about not liking their behavior instead of this emotional fueled fucking thing that ends up with mm-hmm. me just being a puddle cry mess to this poor yeah. man that doesn't know what the fuck just happened. You know what I mean? He's just like, yeah. what did I say? What did I do? And to, to be so like upset that I can't even explain it to have mm-hmm. all these emotions brought up that have nothing to do with this person and completely to yeah. do with, I hear you. <laughs> Past damage, you know. So, like yeah. that, just giving myself the time to stop and assess the situation, assess my anger, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. its legitimacy is very oh, totally. Yeah, and and dating, dating in in times of COVID, in times of hormonal changes, you're just adding like more fun to the party. Like that's just more confetti more confetti. It's been, it's been wild how I've been feeling and, and, uh, trying to assess if I've got coronavirus or if I'm just about to have my period. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's been super weird. Cause for me, as I've gotten older, as I say around 37, my immune system just completely breaks down before my period comes. I am like uh-huh. full flu-like symptoms. So that, plus the fact that I've had anxiety since I was about nine years old, um, and my anxiety's been even worse, and now I'm trying to meet men, it's like, how do I not appear as if I'm a train wreck? How do I, how do I hold this together? <laughs> it's I have, so hard. <laughs> I have, um, primarily for the last six years, I've been dating younger men between yeah, ages of like, 29 30 to 35 maybe but usually yeah. about 29 to 32 and lately i've been trying to date men that are older like mm. 40 to 50 um okay and i think that men that are older who are who date women that are older and not younger women mm-hmm. um 
they understand these like i was just talking to a guy i went out with on thursday yeah. who's 46 and i was like i've never really asked these guys like is dealing with women who are going through menopause is that like something that men in their 50s and late 40s when they're dating True. have to deal with i've never thought about it how that yeah, that yeah. would probably factor in it would be difficult mm-hmm. because it's difficult to go through it and it's difficult yeah. to have these um hormones in your body that are making you feel real emotions that are mm. not valid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> Everything's I, on fire. <laughs> I just woke up pissed off today. <laughs> Nothing happened. No one pissed me off. I'm still yeah, yeah. feeling that anger though. So yeah. I just, I woke up just pissed the fuck off and hated everything today. And if somebody then pisses me off or annoys me while I'm already at that heightened state of anger. Yeah. I feel sorry. I really, it's, I feel sorry for dudes in their fifties trying to date women in their fifties who are still, cause it's like, I've been having menopause or premenopause for 30 years or 10 years, probably Mm -hmm. on and off. And even still, when I have a hot flash, I don't, I'm not like, Oh, I'm having a hot flash every Mm -hmm fucking time i'm still like oh my god did it just get hot in here are you hot and everyone's like nope i'm not hot and i'm like oh my ovaries are just dying never mind it just the moment (laughs) the moment i remember being at work i worked as an usher at a, a theater here in toronto and the moment that question came out of my mouth for the first time i was like oh oh i've arrived at that stage of life great yeah it's it's i'm not i'm not happy about it um and it gets hot man i've woken up in the night sometimes where i am like i am i'm soaked from my neck to my stomach it's like i was in a swimming pool it's the weirdest thing yeah last night i was at the show i mean it was a little warm in there and i was moving around and setting up the equipment and uh the owner was kind of exasperating me uh I'm not, I was just, I was just booked on the show and ended up being a co-producer because okay. I was headlining and I had the PA equipment and the guy that produced it was out of town <laughs> with his PA equipment. So I ended up being a co-producer, but I set nothing up. I knew nothing. I'd never met these people. And the owner was like mm. asking me all these questions that I don't know about because I didn't set the show up. <laughs> and um, I looked like, it looked like a real shit show because I just, I wasn't prepared. I don't know why he was even asking me those questions. <laughs> owners need to understand that if they want like if anybody's listening to this no one listens to this i'm sure i haven't really looked at the stats but if there's a venue owner who wants to do live comedy at their venue it's Mm -hmm. fine to ask the producers questions and stuff but can you do it after the show do not bother me with this bullshit before i have to perform 30 minutes okay i'm 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 trying to get shit set up so that i can just focus on my set I'm not thinking about how much alcohol you're selling right now. I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. those things. I, that's your job. Okay. My yeah. job is to be funny and to get these other people to be funny. And so, yeah, don't talk to me about that shit. We can, we can, we can talk yeah. shop after the show all, all fucking night if you want, but don't fucking bother me 45 minutes before the show starts about totally. stupid yeah. shit. Like just, just, oh, it was just infuriating. <laughs> Oh man, I just even you're talking about it though. Like I miss 
I just miss, I don't miss those stupid questions right before you're about to go on, but I do miss just that environment of just going, like I live near Absolute Comedy, which is one of the bigger clubs in Toronto. And for the time being, the bar above it has just taken over the front entry of the club for patio seating for patrons um, because we're not permitted to dine indoors yet. And um, mm. it, it's just sad to like walk by the club and it's all closed up and there's just people drinking beers in front of the door and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Driving from my favorite part of Denver on South Broadway where we have like my favorite mic was down there. There's just a lot of venues down there that I like a lot uh, mm -hmm. for comedy. One of them, one yeah. of them did not survive. Mm. Um, and I'm sad about it, but I think what they're going to replace it with might actually end up being better for comedy. It's not going to be as good for the, for the grunge punk, dirty punk band scene, but it's <laughs> going to be much better for comedy, but it was sad yeah. to see it go either way. Um, yeah. But yeah, just all the windows are boarded up or they were, and they like went like in March, April, you know, when I, cause I would just go for drives cause I'd be going okay. crazy and I would just drive around yeah. and then go home. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, just to see it boarded up with, you know, positive messages painted on it. And it was just so surreal. It was like, uh, in just a ghost town down there yeah. where this is a place that's one of my favorite places for people watching. Cause there's just, there's so many different yeah. kinds of bars and clubs in the area that you get all mm -hmm. these different kinds of people. You have like the dance clubs and you have like gay clubs and you have drag Queens walking down the street, full get up. You have homeless people, you have groups of college kids bar hopping and they're fucking, you right. know, doing, doing all sorts of stuff and bachelorette parties and just yeah. so many different people from so many races, so many different walks of life, all walking up mm -hmm. and down this part of Broadway on a Friday and Saturday night, just sitting there watching it all is so fucking yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Um, so to go down there and just see it, just a ghost town all boarded up was just, it was, it was yeah. scary. It was scary for a second. I was like, is this what's going to happen? Is yeah. everything going to shut down and it's going to all get boarded yeah. up? Yeah. I, I was having a, that same conversation with a friend about a favorite diner in the area. And he's like, do you think this is going to make it just, they're only serving four people at a time because they have four seats outside of their restaurant and they're doing takeout service. I, I hope comedy clubs in Toronto. I, I know of one that's already closed down. Um, but Toronto, there's, there's a plethora of places you can play here, either coffee shop or tiny little clubs or bigger ones like Yuck Yucks or Absolute. I think Yuck Yucks and Absolute will be okay. Um, but, but the tinier joints, I, you know, I doubt it because you're going to pack people you know, in some clubs like sardines on a, on a good night, get as many people in as you can. And if they put a rule that you could only be at like half capacity or so many feet apart, how, how is it? I don't know how it's going to work. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Restaurants are open. I mean, yeah, they're open at, there's a lot. Well, because of Denver, because of our weather, uh, mm -hmm. there are a lot of restaurants that have nice outdoor patios and outdoor okay. things um, because we get so much sunshine and it's generally, mm -hmm. although it's been raining a lot lately, it's generally beautiful here most of the year. Um, mm -hmm. 
even in the, even when it's cold. And so yeah. there's a lot mm -hmm. of restaurants that have outdoor patios and uh, rooftop patios mm -hmm. and um, things like that. I had a show and a mic going and it got canceled because it got oh. set up pre COVID with the general manager who then got mm -hmm. COVID and this didn't come back. And then oh, but when stuff opened back up, I reached out to her who gave me the information for the mm -hmm. owner and his daughter. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to the owner's daughter and nobody ever, she never mentioned she want, they wanted it family friendly and she swears okay. we had that conversation. And I'm like, there's no way we had that conversation because I would not have had comedy there. I would yeah. never, ever agree to family friendly. I wouldn't even agree That's to tough. PG-14 because <laughs> even in normal times, yeah. it's hard enough to get enough comedians that can do that mm -hmm. PG, PG-13 material. Mm -hmm. But now you have True. the issue that the majority of the comedians are refusing to perform period inside or out right now what you know which is their i don't okay some of them like to talk shit on a, on those of us who are performing but i don't mm -hmm. you know it's whatever you're comfortable with if you if you're comfortable performing perform if you're not comfortable performing don't fucking perform stay home um right. you know there's 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 audiences like last night at the show we did in the screens we had like 23 people which fantastic for a COVID show was a lot of people. I mean, yeah. we, met, we we capped it at 40, okay. which is 10 under the, the limit for the state. But, you know, so we, not that that venue gave a shit, but uh, we, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, and like when I had my mic, I would wipe the mic off in between. Mm -hmm. Some comedians have mic covers, you know, whatever right. you want to do to feel comfortable. I don't care. Don't, doesn't mean you need to talk shit on me because I'm doing what I'm doing, but mm -hmm. the loudest voices talking shit aren't people that were being booked before pandemic, much less now. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. just, people need to, everything is so black and white to everybody. You know, there's a right, there's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I find, I, I could be wrong in this, but I find the the bulk of Toronto comics are very uh, anti uh, online comedy. Um, there's, uh, I'm amongst a very small group of people who have been doing Zoom shows, mostly in the States or, or in Europe. I've never seen. Yeah, and, and it, it feels like Toronto's like, no dice, that's not happening. But they're doing um, uh, a lot of outdoor shows. That seems to be what we're yeah. doing here. Um, and uh, Montreal uh, is, now open for clubs so you can perform indoors again i was finding though before clubs opened in montreal i was seeing a lot of friends post on their socials that they were doing uh stand up for people waiting in the line at the liquor store or the drugstore they were like making a show up you know as they go so each city in canada has had a very different way of of getting back to work in terms of joke telling and and well, you know Here's how I explained it to my mother, um, who was upset that I was going to be performing comedy again, just because of the mics. And she's like, well, bring your own mic or, you know, she was just so worried about it. And I was like, yeah. here, 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 here's the thing, mom, comedy is the love of my life. So my parents met in high school. They were married for 41 years till my dad died. They were the love. They got real lucky to find their soulmate. They were in love till he died. It was beautiful. But so I was like, okay, imagine when you and dad were first married before you had kids 
and he did get deployed for 10 months during the Vietnam War in the Coast Guard. So he was gone. So she under, but I was like, okay, so imagine like they tell you that you can't be around dad for a year because maybe you might, maybe we're not sure, give him a virus that might, maybe we're not sure, kill him, maybe we don't know. Would you stay away from dad for a year based on that information with no kids? And she's like, absolutely not. I was like, that's what you're asking me to do to stay away from comedy. Uh, I, I'm not going to stay away from it. I'm, if I have an opportunity to perform, I'm going to perform. There's some mixed mics here, which I've always hated mixed mics. But if that's the only chance I have, I need to get up and work on some material because I did some newer stuff right. at my show last night, but it wasn't mm -hmm. ready to be mm -hmm. on a 30 minute set. It wasn't ready to be in a show, but I just don't have the opportunities to work on it. And then I've done some Zoom stuff. My friend, yeah. Brooke Barcel, she does it. Yeah. Show, yeah on, do you, have you gone to her mic on Tuesdays? I have. Yes, yeah. She's, I love her. If yeah. we were, she'd be my wife if we were lesbians. I love her so much. She's one of my best friends. She's such a beautiful person. She just she glows uh, yeah, inside of us. I love her so much. Um, so I've gone to that mic a few times mm -hmm. and she, I, the online Zoom stuff is not fulfilling my needs. In fact, it makes me feel yeah. worse, it, but oh, that's yeah. me. But yeah, so yeah. just because that online shit isn't my cup of tea doesn't mean that I shit on it and think it sucks. Right. If it's working yeah. for you, Brooke's loving it. You yeah, know, I am Billy Joe's loving it. Some people yeah. are loving it. Like, why would you shit on their joy in, in a, a time when there's so little joy to be found? Um, exactly. so if people are enjoying it. Why do people feel this need? It's the same thing with like comedy classes or improv. People just mm -hmm. feel this need to draw unnecessary lines in the sand. They really do, especially with improv. I got my start in comedy with improv. That's how I got involved in the comedy scene in Toronto back in the 90s. Improv's how we have Saturday Night Live. Yeah. That's improv is so helpful. People that talk <laughs> shit on improv. Yeah. That's and my they response do. every time. Saturday Night Live. Those people are all improvers. Okay. Improv's mm -hmm. not my cup of tea. I tried it. Yeah. It's not my thing. It's fine. But I love improv. Good improv. I love watching it. Yeah. I think like with the nonprofit oh. I'm doing, you know, that's why we're going to teach improv or stand up or both because not everybody, mm -hmm. everybody's brains work differently and everybody has a different path. Everyone has a different yeah. path, but we're all artists. There's, exactly. I don't really like comedy clubs. I'm not really a person that gives a shit about getting on the circuit at comedy clubs. That's not my scene. Yeah. Um, I like DIY comedy. I like shows in weird places. I like bar shows. I like mm -hmm. backyard shows. I like, you know, shows in, I want to have a show in an art gallery or something, you know, I, that's yeah. what I like. But, yeah. um, yeah, I don't really like comedy clubs and the restrictions of the clubs and the crowds mm -hmm. and the clubs are very generic comedy fan type people. Right. Yeah. I just, yeah. I'm not big. I mean, not that I would turn down, uh, <laughs> being booked of at course. a club by any means, but it's not opportunities that I'm pushing to seek. It's not the route I'm trying to go with my art form. It's an art form and mm -hmm. there's no right way to paint you know what I mean? There's no, absolutely. everybody yeah. has a different way and it, everyone has a different path that leads them to the same art. Um, yeah. yeah. So I and just, I've, 
I find improv can be so beneficial, not in terms of, you know, not solely just for going up on stage and doing a scene with other people, but just in our, in, in work life, improv can be incredibly helpful with debate and argument and trying to get around things. Um, and also as a standup, I mean, I didn't practice improv on stage for very long. I was doing the tech side of, of running lights and sound and working as a, a teenager. Yeah, I did. I was a uh, 16 or 17 when I started doing, doing all that. And, um, I find on nights where, you know, maybe my stand-up set isn't working so well, or maybe you're dealing with a heckler, improv can come in handy. That's why I <laughs> want to take, I do want to take some improv classes when yeah. it's back in person. I don't want to do it online. Yeah. It's um, weird online. I did one class online just for fun. It was, it was strange. Yeah. I mean, stand-up <laughs> online is one thing, but trying to do improv online, I can't. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. just because I want, I do want to exercise that muscle in my brain to be more off the cuff, to be fire, more fire, you know, rapidly. But oh, um, yeah. I, I tried out for an improv group and the two times that I was funny on stage were when I was up there by myself. Um, because what I do when I'm in a group of people mm -hmm. is, which is not something people that, don't know me very well would think I would do because I come across as this like extremely confident, assertive person, but mm -hmm. I will back off and I will just be mm -hmm. like, you're funnier. Go ahead. Go ahead with your thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't get, totally. I, I just, I always feel like everybody else on stage is so much better than me that I don't, that I don't, uh, I'm just like, you're, you're better. You go ahead. You know? Yeah. That's why I stopped doing improv. Cause I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this to the audience. <laughs> If I You're better to watch. <laughs> I think Brooke and I could do a really not fun two-person improv thing mm -hmm. just because we know each other so well. For sure. Um, I think that I could do improv with a group of people that I know really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, and that, yeah. you know, when you're trying to get on to a group that's already established, uh, you know, they have that relationship. But I'm just, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not a good actor. I don't know what's okay. happening on my face most of the time. There's so many times I take pictures and I'm like, that's not what I thought my face looked like. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I'm just not a good actor. I like, I want to write like sketches and stuff, but I'm not, I don't want to act in them. I'm not, mm -hmm. the only way I could ever yeah. be an actor is if I was just playing myself in a role like, um, yeah, that's the only way. It's just, yeah. I was just cast as me and went in there and <laughs> said the shit I say. Um, yeah, I'm just yeah. good at improv. I, yeah. but that doesn't mean I, that's the thing is like, it doesn't mean that it's bad. I, Not at all. <laughs> but it, but it's funny how some, especially standups are so like, you know, anti-improv and really put it down for whatever the reason i i don't quite get it i'm i'm very grateful to its teachings i'm surprised that i even made the transition i made from doing tech for improv shows to stand up cuz i always have been a fan of like what's happening behind the scenes and how how the stage is set up and how the lighting grid works and the oh, buttons I love stage you know i i love that stuff when i was so in yeah. when i went to college 
I mean, not that long ago, like in the early 2000s, <laughs> I was, um, in my intro to theater class, uh, you had to go see certain, you had to go see plays and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the community theater was the cheapest option, or you could volunteer to do the concession stand or yeah. whatever to see the show for free. Yeah. And I just love the theater because nothing distracts me like live theater, like not even a movie. Like when mm -hmm. I'm at a, when I'm at a play, I am not thinking about my phone or any of the things. I'm just so wrapped up in this scene that's happening feet from me live, you know? So yeah. I did the lighting for uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. Ah, and classic. yeah, and it was so good. <laughs> and I, and, and, and to, to be there watching this production go mm -hmm. from nobody knowing their lines to the full on production, I, you know, and I did it, what was it like a two week run? I did it like five nights a week for two weeks. And every single time I watched, I was enthralled. And there was a couple times <sighs> I get so enthralled by the play that mm -hmm. I didn't like turn off the light, like the guy <laughs> hitting the button to turn the light off and it's not going off because I didn't push the button. And, yeah. uh, and I'm like, oh, shit. but the actors <laughs> rolled with it and the audience had no idea. And it was pretty funny yeah. at the end of the day. But um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just I really loved doing I really loved being in the background of a play. Oh, yeah. I yeah, a concert, a play. Me. I'm always obsessed with how stuff, you know, stuff is built and how it all how you get swept up in the moment of it when you're able to do that live and create that whereas you say you forget everything else you believe you're in that room with those characters um you know and when theater doesn't work you're out of it you're flipping through the program you're you know <laughs> you're I haven't really been to a bad play thankfully there well, was, I have yeah <laughs> there was a there was a um I've seen some bad improv, which is painful. I've oh, seen yes. plenty of bad stand-up, obviously. Yes. But um, yeah. there, there was a receptionist where I used to work when I lived here in Denver before that her and her husband are both actors. And mm. so I went and saw several plays she was in and they're both just amazing. Oh, cool. They're both amazing actors. Thanks. And I can't believe they're just working in community theaters here in Denver. They're so good. But mm. um, yeah. So I always loved going to those. Yeah. I haven't been in forever. I was so wrapped up oh. in comedy for the last year that I. Yeah, I've, I've not done much theater myself. And, and we've got this company in Toronto called Soul Pepper, uh, this wonderful production company. And, and I had gotten their brochure earlier in the year for the season. And I was going to, I was you know, going to get my subscription, get a few shows. And of course that's all up in the air now. Um, but, but there's something to it that's kind of nice. Like I just go by myself. Like I get a subscription, one ticket. I'll take myself out to the theater. And yeah. it's, it's nice. It's so different from, I mean, as fun as it is to go on a movie date, but actually going and, and being in that space is, it's such a joy. And I hope it's not too, too long before I can go back and do that again, you know, and get yeah. my concession and go to my seat and and the whole act of not only just watching a performance but just being in a room with other people and doing a thing watching a thing I fucking miss that yeah <laughs> I miss that so much so yeah it, it was nice yeah. last night at the show even though I probably didn't agree with most of the audience members or the owners of the establishment on many mm. 
many things that we just wouldn't, you know, you just don't talk. But I don't have, yeah. none of my jokes are about politics. None of my jokes are about, they're just about my life. And politics yeah, doesn't play a big enough part of my life for them to be in it. So mm-hmm. I can tell jokes in front of any audience and not offend them politically. I might offend them talking about sex. It was the first time I've been in a room with that many people that were all grown adults, not young 20 something kids. None of them had children. None of them had children. These were all people that were probably 30 to 60. None of them had kids. And so I like 10 minutes of my 30 minutes is my jokes about my children, which go over much better in crowds where some people have children. I mean, they got it. They thought it was funny, but they didn't really connect with those jokes. And I was like, does anybody here have kids? Because I could see it. And they were like, nobody. I was like, what? That's crazy. Wow. To have this many adults, like real adults. Yeah. None of you have children. That's insane to me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, but I I don't really have a lot. That is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. There's always like one person. Something. But wow. Yeah. No grown kids. No kids. Nobody had children. I was like, wow. That is insane. I mean, I know that it's, especially in that age group, like it, it's yeah. a bigger, it's. It, yeah. Like I don't have kids and, and I'm, I'm yeah, amongst my friends. I'm kind of the odd men out. Most of them do, but, but uh, it's not that I don't like children. It's just the opportunity. Just most of a guy my, hasn't come along or whatever. It's just how Most of happens. my friends now are comedians and they don't have children and they probably shouldn't. I had kids. <laughs> I was very young. I popped out four kids in five years, oh, wow. 1996 to 2001. Um, and yeah, I, you know, which is just a Wichita, Kansas thing to do. Um, so I got, I had kids before I even thought about it. If I had like yeah. taken time to get to know myself, I never would have had so many. I wanted children though. Like mm-hmm. if I had not, if I had found myself 30 without children, I would have not, I would have inseminated myself. I wanted to have a child. I, a friend of mine did that. She, uh, she got, she went to a bank and got the sperm and yeah. Yeah. She's, she was desperate for, to be a mom and she ended up having twins. Yeah. I would totally (laughs) do that if I had not, because it was a need I had. I felt it inside of me when I see a baby. I would, I would feel like I I needed to have it. And Mm. if you don't feel that need to have a baby, you probably shouldn't have one. Not that you wouldn't end up being a good mom if one came along most likely, but I think that to really, because your kids are going to piss you off and you got (laughs) to, that's, that's the basis of my jokes is like, don't have kids unless you really want them because Mm -hmm. it's very hard. Good rule. It's very frustrating. It's very difficult to be a parent and it never ends just because they grow up. Uh, my mom still, I'm 42 and I still rely heavily on my mother. So it never, here. Yeah. Parenting never ends. You're never not a mom. It doesn't matter how old oh. you are. You are your dog. You are your mom's baby. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it never ends. And so if you don't really, really want them, it's too much of a commitment to commit yourself to, um, because for yeah. any other reason than you want that child. 
Yeah. My, my mom's mentioned to me that when, when she started, when my parents dated for about 10 years before they got married, they've been together now 43 years. Oh. Um, and uh, so 53 years, you know, with the, the same guy, which is insane. Um, but my mom's told me that she never wanted kids. Like I was not expected, um, but we love each other. Yeah. Um, Are you but an been, child? No, I've got a younger brother. He was, he was planned. I was not, but, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's been kind of cool to, to grow up with a mom who's my buddy. And yeah. I don't know if that's because this wasn't really in her field of vision for so long. And then she became a mom and it was like, how do I do this? And my parents are still together. And, um, but my mom and I are, are besties. Like we, to the point that with, you know, a, a, a favorite girlfriend, you may show up at the same thing in the same outfit or with a sister. My mom and I down to the jewelry have shown up in the exact same thing. Oh, wow. Now, me and my mom <laughs> so have, we're like on, <laughs> we're, we team. we're team in everything, but we're nothing alike necessarily. Yeah. Uh, there are but a lot she's of never, I'm like, sorry. No, you go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, but she's never pressured myself. Uh, my younger brother does have children now, but we were never pressured to like, go make babies, go have, you know, go have a family. It, it's been more of do what makes you happy. If you meet someone and you want to have a kid, that's awesome. If you don't, that's cool too, which I appreciate. We've I do never appreciate talked it. about it. Um, my parents were just, you know, don't have sex so you get married. We never discussed anything like that, that, really. Um, they were religious, and my dad okay. once told me, don't, if they're not worth marrying, they're not worth dating, which um, is not advice that I ever took. And now I understand <laughs> it's wisdom, even though I probably, I mean, I say I, I probably won't ever get married again. I don't mm. need to. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, never say never, but I've been married three times. So I think, okay. but I've never been married for love. It might be nice to try for love once. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, now just looking at, I mean, it makes sense. Like if they're not, if, if you find out early on dating somebody that they're not somebody that you want to be with for the long haul, and that's what you're looking mm -hmm. for, then why mm -hmm. continue wasting time? Exactly. Getting emotionally attached to that person if they've proven themselves to not be the kind of person you want to be your life partner. Yeah. And so it's it was which great I feel, advice. Which I feel more as I get into my 40s. Like I'm I'm 42 as well. And I'm feeling that more of like just in general of of not wanting to waste my time. Like I got shit to do. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit in this pocket for too long. I'd rather you know? sit at home watching Futurama again, yeah, stoned and alone, <laughs> than be on a bad date. Um, yes, <laughs> there's so much worse than being alone. And yeah. the word, oh, like shit. my last ex-husband, I, uh, I couldn't get rid of him because he would be homeless, and oh. it, it ended up by the end of the marriage, it was like he was a stray cat I'd taken in that I didn't really like and wasn't really attached to but it wasn't a bad cat you know the cat was just the cat it's just me and the cat just didn't bond and yeah. i didn't want to take the cat down to the humane society because i know they'll just kill it so i'm just like i guess i'm just gonna keep this cat around i don't know what else to do and it's worse to be in that situation to be yeah. in the presence of someone every day in your house 
in your bed that you can't fucking stand their presence. Yeah. You can't stand yeah. the way they breathe, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to, I really would like to find a boyfriend and a monogamous relationship. Ultimately okay. uh, it would be yeah. great, but they're going to have to be somebody that fulfills my needs enough that I don't need anybody else. One, yeah. not just sexually, but all, all In around. Yeah, exactly. I like a lot of attention. And so if they're not somebody that's capable of giving me all that attention, I'm going to need other people to, to, to fill in the gaps, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so, um, <laughs> I don't know if I can cohabitate with somebody. I don't know if I can live with somebody again. A dude tried I, to leave his back. A dude tried to leave. He stayed the night and he left his toothbrush in my bathroom. Huh. And, okay. and it, <laughs> I didn't know what I mentioned it to him the next day in passing, like in text. I was like, Oh, I hope you have another toothbrush. You forgot yours. And he's like, Oh, that's fine. I have another one. I'm like, fuck. Okay. And so it like was in my bathroom for like a week. He put it in the cup holder where I like where I keep my toothbrush and said it was an accident. You don't accident. That was deliberate. Oh, no, that's that's a, that's a move. Like I I remember I was a big Sex in the City fan and I remember when Big left his toothbrush at Carrie's apartment for the first time. That was like a thing. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's a thing. I've done this. It the is a thing. <laughs> I've done the toothbrush test. Yeah. Not that soon though. It was way too soon to be trying to test me with your toothbrush. Mm-hmm. But so it sat in my bathroom for like a week and I put it in my medicine cabinet so I didn't have to look at it. But I, I just felt its presence in my space that there was something off within the force, you know? And I just, so I finally was like, look, I hope this doesn't make you mad. I mean, if it does, it does. Cause this is how I feel, but I really need you to take your toothbrush back. I am just not ready to have yeah. somebody else's, toothbrush or belongings residing within my space and <laughs> he said it was fine okay but then what was it I but then he got <laughs> mad at me about something completely unrelated out of nowhere while we were messing yeah so it wasn't fine yeah so it wasn't fine <laughs> so first I don't want to be with someone that's going to get upset in the first place when I first Okay, first of all, I don't want to be with someone who's going to play some passive aggressive bullshit game of leaving their toothbrush instead of like having a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Two, I don't want to be with somebody who's going to say something's okay when it's not and then get mad at me about something completely unrelated. It's mm, just yeah. a sign of emotional immaturity and the inability mm-hmm. to communicate like an adult. Of course, this dude's 34 yeah. years old that I don't want to deal with. And so <laughs> I think like, the big difference of dating dudes that are older that I found, mm-hmm. I haven't been doing it for very long, but it's yeah. like most of them know who they are. And if they yeah. are the kind of person that's not going to want to be monogamous with you, they're going to tell you that they're yeah. going to be like, look, we're having a lot of fun. I like you. I like spending time with you, but they're not, mm-hmm. they're, they're not, they're not bullshitting around either. No. When you're 34, you still feel like you got all the time in the world. Yeah. Yeah, with the exception of my ex who is 49 and was acting like he was 17. That's uh, we were together too. for seven years. And uh, that was yeah. that was hard to do. That was hard to navigate. Well, the thing is, too, is like when guys that age, when guys over 40 show me that emotional immaturity, I know I can just walk away because it's not going to get better. They, that's yeah. how they are. When mm. they're 29, 30, 31, there's a part of me that's like, maybe they just need to grow up. They're going to shift. Yeah. Maybe they just need another <laughs> decade of life experience. 
So yeah, yeah it's like if I meet a dude who's like 45 or older and there's mm-hmm. something about his personality I don't like, I know that I, that's, that's his personality yeah, keep and, I, and I can walk away yeah. and just be like, there's no hope here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I, I'm getting into that mindset of, of occasionally thinking when I've, you know, when I meet a guy of like, Hmm, cohabitating. And then in my brain, I'm like, but I like my space. I like my stuff. I like how everything's arranged in here. And, and I start panicking of like, Oh man, someone might come in and like put their picture here or that there. Um, I, I, I like the, I like being independent. I I'm someone who wants a relationship, but I also do want my space. So I would be cool if he had his own apartment and then I have my apartment. Yes. Yeah, by me. No, but, I need my own space. Yeah. Even if I cohabitate with somebody again, I'm going to need my own room. It doesn't have to be yeah. a bedroom where I sleep, but I need a room. A room. Yeah. When I go into it and I shut the door, that means I'm not home. Yeah. And whatever I'm doing in there, I could just be getting stoned and watching crap television by myself. Mm-hmm. But I need someone that's not going to be upset that, and it's not like I do that every night or whatever, but right. sometimes I just want to be left the fuck alone and I want to fucking get stoned and fart and <laughs> shove food in my face and be disgusting. And for me, yeah. it's, it's gotten, it's, it's that I only want to spend time with people when I'm able to give them my best self. Right. And yeah. I don't require people to give me a lot of comforting or if I'm going through something, I really like working through it on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and when I get depressed or my hormones are surging, I need to shut myself away from people just for their own protection because I, yeah. either whether I'm depressed or my hormones are surging and I'm angry or my anxiety is increased, mm-hmm. I'll get snippy. I'll get easily yeah. irritated yeah. by noises and, mm-hmm. and it's for their own good that I hide myself away so that I'm not mean to them. Cause I don't want to be yeah. mean to anybody, but yeah. they get these people that won't give you that space or you get mad and you walk away and you try to go. And mm-hmm. I try to go do my thing where am I rationally mad or I'm not, but they follow me and they don't mm-hmm. allow me to have that time to calm down, to, to, to let myself think rationally and not with emotion. And that's yeah. when I end up saying really mean, hurtful things that I yeah. try very hard to avoid. <laughs> yeah. I, years ago, I still haven't like totally, totally, totally forgiven myself, but I fucked up a relationship so hard um, by doing that, by, by being snippy and by not taking a breath and moving away and, and giving myself some space. And I didn't know how to explain what I was feeling. And uh, I completely sabotaged a great relationship. Um, it, the lesson learned for me was that I needed treatment for my mood swings and my anxiety, and I needed to get help. And it was a a hard way to learn that lesson. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm glad I did. But I'll, I, I still, that's still a little bit of a, you know, a salt and wound when I think about it, that had I not known I didn't know enough to know how to deal with my, with my mood swings and the panic attacks and the anxiety when I met this guy and he just came into a perfect storm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I got really good. I think being a parent and having my children made me, made me very good at hiding 
my mental illness at hiding mm. um my emotions until it was an appropriate time to let them out i mean i let them right. out but yeah. i do it in yeah. private in my room i'm a big i like to cry in the shower yeah uh, or in my yeah. car uh i do not like to cry in front of people um unless someone's dead or something serious like that happens yeah. um you're probably, I mean, I just don't like to cry in front of people. And so um, it frustrates some people because they're like, especially men, I think it's because mm -hmm. I don't need them. There's, there's nothing they can do to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. And that frustrates them because they want to fix it yes. <laughs> and they can't fix it. Can't. And on top of that, I'm not even coming to them for comfort. Mm -hmm. I just want to be left alone. And then I'll yeah. come back and I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Just let me be myself and don't take yeah. it Just so take fucking personally when I'm like, I don't want to hang out with you today because I can't, you, mm -hmm. I can't give you my best self today. I'm grumpy. I'm not happy. I'm unhappy about everything. I hate everything. And I just want to be mm -hmm. left the fuck alone in my room right now. Yeah. And if I come around you, you're going to annoy me and <laughs> you're going to, my face is going to show it because my face cannot hide any emotions. And oh yeah, I've got no poker face. None. <laughs> None. None at all. I will find though that there are times when, because I deal with uh, anxiety and panic attack, and I have since I was about nine, as I said, and I find sometimes um, when I'm not able to talk myself off of the proverbial ledge, um, because I'm not on medication anymore. I was taken off because I was making enough progress and yeah. You know? So meditation for me and breath work is huge, but I've got moments where I can't do it and the meditation's not working. And I do have to reach out to someone, possibly a guy I'm interested in. And there's always that feeling of like, whoever I end up calling a sort of brace and like, please love me after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just need some help here to work through it. And some ex-boyfriends, have not been down with it, which is probably why they're ex-boyfriends. <laughs> it's even worse to handle it in person. But like, yeah, when, yeah, yeah, like I've had some that are really, really good at handling my anxiety and some that aren't. I just need, mm -hmm. I just need someone who's going to stay calm. Yeah. And. Yeah. Not try to run in and be my savior, but also be aware that they're, trying not to do anything to make it any worse. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, if I am spiraling, uh, if I'm spinning out, as I call it, into a, mm -hmm. like I spun out really hard, like the early part of April, like oh, April I 1st, actually, because I got, mm -hmm. I, me and the guy I was dating broke up, the broke up. Um, I got fired that day. Oh no. And then I was upset and I went over to the guy I was dating's house yeah. And he made it worse after first making it better. He got mad at me. I got stoned. I calmed down. I was in a good mm -hmm. mood and I roasted him about something and he got really mad. And then I ended it in a blaze of glory. And then I spent three hours just having a complete meltdown in my car because I couldn't drive because I was just too upset. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I called, I had called my mom uh, before I went to his house, before we broke up. And I was just so defeated. And, um, you know, and there was a point where I was spinning out trying to decide, should I go back when this all, everything got shut down, 
I was like, should I go back to Kansas that where my kids mm-hmm. and my people are? I was afraid if I went back to Wichita, I'd never make it out again. And I was like, I should probably be where my kids are. I was like, what if they shut down travel altogether and I can't even go back to Kansas and I'm stuck here. And my mom was mm-hmm. like, well, if they get it, Helen, and they're in the hospital, you can't do anything. You can't go visit them. So it doesn't really matter. And right. then, so I called my, I have three kids that are in Wichita. Mm-hmm. So I called my daughter who's 21 and she was like, you know what, mom, you just do whatever makes you happy. I, you know, we're fine here. Um, come back, don't come back, whatever you want to do. Oh, we, basically she was like, I don't need you, but if you want to be here. Um, and then my, my 19 year old, who's just got the biggest, sweetest, softest heart, they said the same thing, except he was like being strong for me. He was like, you just do whatever it is you need to do for you. You could tell he really wanted to be like, mommy, I'm scared. Come home. Um, and then my youngest child, I called them. They rejected my call and text me what W W U T. And I just, just like, never mind. Ah. I have all the information I need. (laughs) I was just like, fuck them. And my mom made a good point. She was like, Helen, they wouldn't come for you. Huh? If you were living here and they were living there, they wouldn't come back to Wichita to live for you. And I was like, you're right. Fuck them. But, (laughs) but yeah, so, but I was spiraling and I, I called everybody. I called my best friends. I called, it took like seven people, like between Mm -hmm. my children and my mother and my friends to like talk me off of this ledge because my mind will just spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you lose, yeah, when that wheel starts going, it's like, I just kept circling around, I should go back to Wichita to like, no, everything's going to be fine. I should go back to, and I would just, I'd be like, okay, that's it. I'm going to stay here. And then I would circle (laughs) back around. And so, yeah. yeah. And I have friends that call me when they're spiraling. I actually have a friend, John, who I dated for like six weeks, who does have um, schizoaffective disorder. So he legit gets in irrational like really off the wall, like people are trying to kill him or people, you know, really off the wall, Mm -hmm. irrational things that are based in no truth. Mm -hmm. And so he just calls me so that I can talk to him and be like, no, John, that's not reality. And he's, and it helps him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I offer the same to friends too. Yeah. If they need to. I have plenty of outlets for that. Yeah. Um, With my friends, with my family, with my roommates, with, I have lots of people uh, who I can inundate with my insanity, thankfully. (laughs) So I don't have to rely on my partner, especially in the beginning when you're just trying to start a relationship. Um, It's, I don't want to inundate them with my bullshit off the bat. Um, And I don't, I don't expect my partner to be everything for me. Like Mm -hmm. I used to. Yeah. I, yeah, that comes, that comes with as we get older. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think can't be somebody everything. No. I, you no. know, when I was in my twenties, I thought your partner needed to be your, like, your best friend and your everything and your fucking, but it's not, it's, I can't be somebody's only outlet to help them through things. Um, and I've had a lot of people I've dated that are like that because they don't have, they're not close with their family. I date a lot of guys Mm -hmm. that don't have a lot of friends. Um, 
And so I yeah. end up being their only outlet for everything and it's too much. I can't. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I don't want to put that on somebody else. I'm a lot. <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> I frequently annoy the shit out of myself. I wouldn't date me. I couldn't handle me. <laughs> too much. <laughs> I lose my keys and my phone and my vape all the time. That alone would fucking irritate the shit out of me if I were dating me. Just this panic of help me find my keys like three times a week. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely been on my phone and had a panic of where's my phone. Yeah. Oh, this thing I'm holding. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. And then when I'm losing it and I'm in a rush and I'm in a hurry, I'm fucking, I'll yell at people and I'll just be like, I expect everyone to stop what they're doing and, and help me find my thing that I should keep track of myself because I'm a grown adult. I also leave <laughs> cabinet doors open, which annoys the shit out of me. Oh, okay. Cabinet doors. I hate I started, it. I've started to put like the glass in the fridge and the milk in the cupboard. Yeah. Which is scaring the shit out of me. The fact that I do that every night. I'm like, no, it's the other way. I'm, or I've walked in a room and been like, this isn't my bedroom. I ingest a lot of marijuana, so I'm not sure how much of it is marijuana and how much of it is my age. I don't, yeah. I don't smoke, so I'm going to say it's just my being Latvian. You're being what? Latvian. Um, my, my father's Latvian, and the running joke in the family is when we do something, it's like, well, it's because we're Eastern European. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which only makes sense. It, it makes us laugh. Um, I think I'm just nuts. have so much going on in my head. That, like, I could have a thought that I need to go tell Josue, my roommate, something, right? By the time I get up off the bed, walk out the door, (laughs) walk down the hall and get to him, my brain is on to a different thought. Do you circle back? I walk my steps back. If it's important. To try to remember it. Yeah, no, there's so many times I'll be like, I came out here to tell you something. I don't know what the fuck it was. I'll (laughs) go back in my room. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, I remember. And I'm like yelling it down the hall before I forget again, you know. But that's yeah. just because my brain is always just like, yeah, go, 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 yeah. go. And there's been no medications that help that. I have antidepressants that really help that. But right. I think there's something <laughs> hormonal wrong with me because when I'm pregnant, I am really emotionally stable, which is the opposite of how women are when they're pregnant usually. Mm-hmm. I'm rational. I'm stable. I feel great. Immensely when I'm pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I, I, well. I need to. I want to go to a doctor and talk to them about <laughs> what's going to happen <laughs> with my ovaries if you just take out my ovaries and I no longer have yeah. the hormonal fluctuations. Is it going to be worse? It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I, mean, I don't I know, know what's to come. Fears of like bone density loss and things yes. like that. But like as far as my emotional state goes. Mm-hmm. How's oh, that going to yeah. affect it? Because I'll fucking take horse, horse pills of calcium every day if it means that I don't wake up just angry yeah. at the fucking world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's uh, ruining to be my continued. life. Yeah. <laughs> we do not know what's to come. I know. And they're dying so slowly. <laughs> I just, it's been a decade of this shit. I'm done. I'm tired. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm ready to not be premenopausal. I'm ready to just be menopausal. Let's just, my I'm with you. I'm with you. 
I'm ready for coronavirus to be over and I'm ready to go into menopause. It's just like, put me in. I pee a lot. That's my problem with my, well, I had an 11 and a half pound baby, but it happens when you're 42, regardless of. It does. Yeah. Whether you've had children or not. There's more Um, peeing. There's so much urine. It's so annoying. Like I have to wear a pee pad and um, I sneeze or cough. And I, like the other day at work, the other day at work, I, like I just coughed really hard and too much urine came out at once for my pee pad <laughs> to absorb all at once. And so I leaked onto my fucking desk chair urine and then yeah. it was on my pants at work. And yeah. I'm like, am I going to have to yeah, get the fair fir- clothes? The first time that happened to me, that scared the bejesus out of me. Doesn't happen often, but I now know it can happen. Which was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that that's a fun malfunction of the system. <laughs> well, I have a pinched nerve to my bladder because of my giant 11 and a half pound baby carrying. Yeah. He, yeah. so I don't know, I could have a full bladder and not know it and then cough or like do a dab or smoke some weed to where I can't stop coughing. And then once the flow starts, right. yeah, stop, can't it. stop, won't stop. And you yeah. just full on piss your pants. And the pee pads I have are not meant to hold a full bladder. I'm not wearing a diaper. Um, yeah. Oh, my mom, getting all this fun. My mom's on the diapers <laughs> now. I, I'm going to wear diapers someday. Yeah. There's nothing the doctors can do about what's wrong with me either. There's nothing they can do no. to fix it. My bladder's where it's supposed to be. It's just a pinch mm-hmm. of nerve. There's nothing. No that can be done. I'm just going to piss myself for the rest of my life. But you know, I've also found that dudes that are older a title for a book, mm-hmm. I'm going to piss myself for the rest of my life. <laughs> All the piss in my pants. That's going to be, I'm going to start a soap opera. That's All the piss in my pants. <laughs> older men seem to be able to handle the whole pee pad thing better too. Yes. Yeah, it's true. I, uh, I've had to invest in some, in some undergarment, uh, assistance and, uh, undergarment assistance. I like that. Yeah, that's how I called it. And I, I was, I was in the, I was in the aisle at the, at the drugstore and there was an older woman like just ahead of me. And I was like looking, she saw me looking and she's like, she just nodded at me. She's like, I know. Is it cause <laughs> I'm getting older or are the women on the on the depends and pee pad ads getting, getting younger. They like, are. I was looking at this pack of depends one day when I was waiting for my drugs at yeah. the store. And I was like, that woman looks like she's 45. She doesn't need a diaper. Yeah. 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 I don't know what's up with that. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, am I old? But I agree. <laughs> or are they younger? I just remember old ladies being on those. Oh, not, 45-year-old women, like 70, 80, white-haired yeah. old women. But there's a lot of women that wear, like my friend Lynette finally accepted she needed to wear a pee pad. Because uh, she would just, I'd be at her house and she smokes dabs and mm. she smokes cigarettes. And anytime she'd cough, yeah. she'd get up and change her fucking clothes. I'm like, four times a day, she's changing her pants. I'm like, Lynette, just get a small pee pad. You don't even need a big one. Just yeah. like a thick panty liner, essentially, is all it is. Just accept it. Accept <laughs> it. You have to wear a pee pad. It's fine. And so I want to start yeah. like a hashtag pee pad pride 
Yeah, I something. Something. I'd like to be sponsored by Poise Pads because they are superior. I've, they I are. can't, like they generic are. pads don't I hold know. up as well and they break me out. In December, I thought I had herpes. So I go to the Planned Parenthood and it turns out I just had pee pad rash, which was worse actually. It almost felt worse. I mean, herpes is bad, but yeah, I had to go get baby butt cream. Yeah, there's certain places you don't want rashes or allergic reactions. (laughs) No, and then in the summertime, like I have to change my pee pad sometimes just because it's full of fucking sweat. I hear you. It's like, there's no pee in this thing. I know. And then it's all sweaty and you get swamp ass. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I'm sick of all the urine. I almost, I almost want to just have a bag on the side of me. I empty out. I'm so sick of pissing my pants. I'm so sick of pissing my pants all the time. It's so annoying. Like it's just all day. Urine is flowing out of me Uh, all the time, all day long. And it's fucking. What was that musical urine town? You could do a remount of urine town. They did that at which one woman show. They did it. They did it at Wichita State. You're in town. It was great. I never saw it. Oh, it was so good. The Wichita State has a really good theater program. And the talk about sets. That set was pretty. I watched it be built because I was in my intro to theater class at the time. So I'd go over there. But there was a lot of welding and metal because it's like, yeah, it's it's just metal. um, You know, with the platforms scaffolding Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that they built. yeah, it was, it was, it's really fucking cool. And lighting, because the whole, the whole scene, the whole thing takes place in different places, but they have to make Mm -hmm. the stage look like all these different places. And they really use a lot of lighting to do that and stuff like that. It's, I love watching the stage turn from like night into day Mm -hmm. and like the lighting just glow changing outside the windows and I love it. Man, I miss mm, theater. And I do too. When this is over, I, I need, okay. The thing is, too, is like COVID has taught me that I have to have, you were talking about a plan B, but that's one reason I have a day job. But my plan B can't be just getting a job and gardening and living an ordinary life. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so like I have nothing like when, because I, I, I got divorced, I left my kids they were grown, but you know, mm. when comedy got taken away, I had nothing else. Mm. I have nothing. I have no other mm. interests. I have no hobby. Yeah. I have no other talents. <laughs> I have nothing once standup is taken away. And I don't like that. I, don't, I have to mm-hmm. find something else, something that's going to fulfill that uh, creative need within me that doesn't yeah. require a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I'm going to probably take a sketch writing class or um i have a screenplay i would like to write i'd like to be behind the scenes i'd like to write produce things like that i have no desire yeah. to be an actor but mm-hmm. yeah it's, yeah everything's Go everything's jacked up right now it's not as bad as it was when i started this podcast in april i was not in a good place in april yeah, I find I go through like a like a grief cycle. Like I go through my waves. I've generally been positive. Yeah. Um, I've generally been positive, but I did start seeing a therapist online, of course, because I found I was spiraling a bit more than I would like to be in certain moments 
of my life. And it's been a great benefit of, of doing that. I've been thought, I'd thought about doing therapy for years and I'm actually doing it. But, um, but yeah, I go through my moments of like, is this how I die to everything's good? <laughs> so it's, yeah. I'm worried about me dying, but I'm like, is this how everyone I love dies? And I have to watch. Um, Cause that would be worse than, I'm not really afraid to die. I'm afraid to be like my grandmother who is going to be, who just turned 89, who's mm -hmm. about to lose her last of her four siblings. She's the oldest. Mm -hmm. Both her brothers had died. Her sister's about to die. Her husband died. Two of her four children have died. Um, she's never buried any grandchildren, but she's buried several great grandchildren. And so just to be the last one standing, especially now you i know, know that's isolating that. enough and then yeah and then coupled with this i'm it's, afraid my mom is terrified for my grandma to die because it's my dad's mom but my mom's mom died a long time ago but mm -hmm. for the rikers which you know side of the family and she's a riker mm -hmm. my grandmother dies she's the eldest riker oh wow yeah so mm -hmm. i don't think she likes that idea she seems to be pretty terrified by it um and she's only yeah, 70. yeah but I feel like my mom might end up having to be one of those people that, that watches people die. I just, it I just is, don't want to, I'd rather die early than be one of the last standing. I can't. Yeah. I, uh, I just hope when my time comes, it's quick. I hope it's not drawn out. That's all I hope for. I feel um, like <laughs> so. karmically what's going to happen to me is I'm going to live for a long time. Mm. I'm gonna just linger and linger <laughs> and linger and to where my brain is perfectly functional, but my body's no longer working. Mm. And I'm just alive in a bed yeah. waiting to die. Um, I don't think that I will get lucky enough to, I'm pretty sure I pissed off somebody in a past life and uh because some things have happened to me in this life that make no sense as to why I, I haven't been that big of an asshole i was an asshole as a teenager but not like to do explain some of the shit that's happened to me and so i like and also it's not that i want to die <laughs> i do no, no. i am a dark depressed person though it will happen but <laughs> so death doesn't scare me it sounds pretty awesome for me it'll suck for everyone else but what do i care i'm not here um yeah, just to not think anymore. What? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like sometimes death yeah. is the only way to turn my brain off. So it sounds like a vacation. It sounds pretty dope. But, <laughs> you know, just I know the pain it'll cause other people yeah. that I've left behind. So, but yeah. yeah, so I'm not really afraid to die. Especially now, I used to get afraid to die because I didn't feel like I'd done anything. Like I would get stoned mm. on the wrong weed and spin out mm. into a panic. And yeah. just be like, I haven't done anything. My life's halfway over almost. I mean, I was because I didn't start comedy. I was thirty-eight. Same here. I like, yep. I haven't done anything yet, but now at least I feel like I tried to do something. Yeah, I feel like I've accomplished so much in the past ten years. Um, it's been kind of wild uh, that just like completely changing my life around, changing my career. Just in the last sold my, years. Sold my home, you know, and started over because I could. I had the I had the opportunity, couldn't. That was the best fucking thing I ever did. Yeah. I started I no over. Regrets. My, kids, my kids were grown. 
they didn't need me anymore, like on yeah. a daily basis. Um, and yeah. I didn't have a partner and all I had was comedy. And mm -hmm. so I don't know what, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have comedy, but yeah, it's yeah. like, I feel like comedy, I, I found my soulmate. I have this, yeah. I have a comedy wedding ring that I just bought myself. <laughs> um, nice. It's, it's my birthstone is the yellow one or whatever mm -hmm. from November and March 16th, 2016 is when I started comedy. So the oh. blue is the March birthstone. And then That's over awesome. here it says comedy and here it says Helen. And then inside I is engraved 31616. So, That's so cool. Cause Where's comedy comes date? first. Yeah. That's I've another got problem with dating is they have to understand that. It's my first are, comedy book here. What They're, was my first date? Anybody I date is like, I think it may be seventh or eighth on the list. Cause I got comedy. I got kids. Yeah. I got family. I got friends. I have myself. I have my job. I have animals. <laughs> that come before them. Yeah, do, you get like asked, do you get asked by guys if I, Oh, are you going to put me in your set? Am I going to be yeah. material? You're going to admit. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, no, most likely. Anything, uh, January so, January twelfth was my first set. January twelfth of what year? Twenty sixteen. Oh yeah, so you're like yeah. almost exactly two months ahead months, of you. <laughs> almost exactly two months ahead of me. Yeah. But <laughs> that's why I started the nonprofit. Is I think that comedy can really help people, like it helped me. And there's some people yeah. that have a negative, shitty attitude about comedy and don't. But I think it can help people. Uh, even if so. they never become comedians to just yeah. build up their confidence and yeah, mm -hmm. help them overcome trauma, even if they don't write material about it. Just, yeah. it. just it makes you have a different outlook on life to where you can find the funny in bad things. Absolutely. Which is yeah. as close to being a positive person as I'm ever getting. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just so grateful I get to do it, you know, yeah. every, even sets that don't go well. And I, you know, beat myself up about it afterwards. I mean, you know, in, in 2015, I couldn't have seen myself on a stage holding a mic. I, I jumped into yeah. it so, so quickly. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was losing my first love to cancer that pushed me to go do an open mic. Our final conversation I hung up the phone. I was like, I'm going to go try everything I can try because I can, he can't. And that's what it was. And I was like, I'll go do a thing. I've always wanted to try that. And I uh, didn't look back. I haven't looked back. Yeah. My, um, I started because my little brother got into it like six months yeah. before I did. And then I had a breakup and then I'd had some, like I was just in the darkest part of my life because of some mm -hmm. shit that went down with my oldest daughter and, and um, I was just in like a, like probably the lowest point I've ever been at in my life and yeah. emotionally. And yeah. um, I was like, I, I was just, I, I'm going to hang out with comedians um, because it sounds like it'll be fun. And yeah. then I went to an open <laughs> mic and I watched these comedians and I was like, I'm funnier than they are. Like mm -hmm. I at least know that much. And so I said, fuck yeah. it. And I got up there and I came off the stage a different person and then that was in Wichita so I came out to Denver like a little over a month in 34 days into comedy because I wanted to see if I really was funny or if I was just Wichita funny huh. 
Um, <laughs> and I did really well when I came out That's here. Awesome. I was like, okay, well, I can throw myself into yeah. this. And then That's I awesome. did. And now it's the main part of my personality is that I'm a comedian. It's such a mm-hmm. huge piece of who I am. I can't imagine quitting it ever. And I've never, yeah. in the four years I've been doing it, uh, I've never, ever once thought of quitting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought, uh, I take it like in the, in the wintertime, I kind of hibernate, but I'm usually working on producing my festival and stuff. I'm still doing mm-hmm. comedy things. I'm just not performing. For sure. But, um, yeah, I, I, if it, you know, it, if comedy doesn't get back to normal here next spring, mm-hmm. I may have to move away. I love Denver and I love Denver mm-hmm. comedy, but if, if, if it doesn't get back to any semblance of normalcy here, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to move somewhere where there is a scene yeah. where I can go to yeah. four or five mics a week and I can get on two or three shows a week and I can fucking do it. I can't, I can't live like this. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love Denver, and I love my job. I, I can't live like this. Yeah. I need more stay. Yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Toronto reemerges. Um, I want to visit Canada hard now. If you're interviewing, you got to. Yeah, because well, I could actually. Uh, J Man and I were talking, and then between like the people I has such a good scene. The oh people my God. he knows, like I could do a tour across fucking Canada. Yeah, uh, between the people I've met and their connections. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as they'll let me in. Yeah. Hopefully August. I think they said end of August, I think. What's the weather like up there? It's probably cold and gross. Oh hell no. No, we're under a heat warning. It's about ninety-five. Today. Well not now, but like when does it start getting shitty? Uh the weather's not great, I'd say January to April. Oh really? So the winter yeah. like September, like the fall's not too bad? Fall is it it's very on par with New York. Our summers are hot as hell. Our falls are beautiful. Uh, December generally isn't in Toronto. It isn't too bad, but January, February, March. Yeesh. Yeah, that's it's how dice, it's dicey. Like March will get better. April is shite. <laughs> so. Yeah, from here it's like <laughs> it's shitty through March, and then April and May kind of goes back and forth. Like we can get yeah. snow in May, and oh, then yeah, yeah. The thing is here is like the sun always comes out almost at some point in time every day. Whereas in Wichita, it is just gray for what feels like months. You will have three weeks with no sun, just gray. And it's so oppressive. It's just, I hate it so much, but I love Denver even without comedy Mm -hmm. and I never want to leave it. But if, yeah. yeah, I've pretty much accepted that comedy, as I know it, is over for the rest of this year, probably through the winter. But if it doesn't start picking back up to some sort of normalcy in March or April yeah. of next year, I'm going to have to start thinking about going back to Lincoln and the Omaha area because they don't care as mm-hmm. much there, or maybe mm-hmm. Kansas City. <laughs> but I already know people in Lincoln and Omaha. Of course, that means yeah. I also know a lot of people I don't like in Lincoln and Omaha, but. <laughs> or maybe Des Moines. Uh, they really need to help. There's a, a friend, a, a girl I just met that just moved there that's going to help their scene as far as mm-hmm. like making it a better place for female performers because there's a couple people they need to just kick out of their scene that are, yeah. they're just open micers that scare women away and are very creepy. Mm-hmm. And 
I encountered one just traveling through there. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to go to Des Moines ever again. If that's the kind of people they're going to let in their scene. And Mm -hmm. so she's trying to fix that. So, I mean, maybe I could go up there because they just don't care as much in those areas as they do in Denver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just not ever going to be as shut down as they are here. Never, ever, ever. Unless they roll the military in and force them into their houses. That's the only way anyone in Nebraska is going to fucking listen to the, Mm -hmm. yeah, they don't care. So I don't know. I'll have to find comedy eventually, but I've just, I've just accepted it so that Mm -hmm. any comedy I do get is a bonus is, is just, I'm just grateful and it's gravy. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I've just accepted the rest of this year is fucked and (laughs) I won't get my hopes up for anything again for now, but yeah, it's a wild year, man. I was so hopeful in January. I was so fucking hopeful. <laughs> oh man, this is going to be my year. See this map? I was. I mean, gonna, good stuff has still happened, but it's a weird year. I was in that map. In the first week of May, I was going to go on a tour that I was actually going to break even on for the first time. I had two headlining oh, sets, man. one in Georgia and one in Atlanta. One in Atlanta and one in New Orleans. And oh, I, I love hit, New Orleans. I was going to hit like four other states while I was around over there. I was going to dip into... Pensacola, Florida. I was going to be able to yeah. Mississippi, Alabama, all those little states right there. I was going to mm-hmm. get like five new states in. I was going to put pins in that were blue for 2020. And then next year I pick a different color of all the places I've gone. I bought a bus when COVID hit and then I sold it because it was too much work. And yeah, yeah, I fucking, so I just got a day job again and I'm just fucking doing the fucking rap next year. Do next year. It'll still happen. But at least everybody is delayed now. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. We're all kind of on that same like yeah. you know, waiting to waiting to go out and um yeah, it's uh it'll be interesting what reemerges after it. Because it won't go back to normal. I definitely um, like the different. Zoom shows, but when it comes if you have a comedian who hasn't performed at all in a year. Versus yeah. a comedian who's just done Zoom stuff for the year. The people that have done Zoom stuff are going to be better. They're going to have fresh new material at least. You know, I gotta say, going, I've got to say, yeah, I've, I've, from, this, than from nothing. doing this for four months, I've got 15 new minutes, Yeah, which is fantastic. It's better than nothing, Zoom. If, yeah. if things get shut down it's again where I can't do anything at all in person anymore, I'll, I'll get back on the Zoom stuff. But yeah, yeah it's... Yeah, I, I, I've been immensely grateful just for the ability to write stuff and say it aloud and have someone hear me. Yeah. Um, that's been great. I've gotten to meet new people. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, you're making new connections that you might not have made before. So there's, there's, there's some All over the world. Like, yeah, yeah. Meetings in Canada and the UK and Japan, India. Japan, that's yeah. That's awesome. So many <laughs> comedians. I... Yeah, yeah, it's it's been very interesting to to mm-hmm. meet and see how at the end of the day, comedy is comedy, regardless mm-hmm. of what country you're in. Yeah. Um, the yeah. not that there's a formula to comedy, but comedy is still comedy. Stand up is still stand up, and it doesn't matter what country you're in, um, mm-hmm. as long as you can communicate to them and speak their language. You yeah. can do comedy anywhere. Um, yeah, because yeah, the human yeah. condition is the human condition. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's been really interesting to see. But 
But I think we can wrap it up here. Um, It's been really great talking to you. And I hope like this fall, I can at least make it up to Toronto. Oh yeah. We will definitely keep in touch. And uh, once that border opens, let me know. (laughs) I'll let you know what's happening here. (laughs) Well, it was really good to talk to you and meet you. And I hope to meet you in person soon. Yeah. We will. One day. Have a good day. (laughs) You too. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.